Hello, hello. Today our guest is Logan Broadbent, who is a Spartan pro athlete, American Ninja Warrior, and legit one of the best boomerang throwers in the entire world. World. So Logan, he has a ton of endeavors, and he performs at a high level throughout pretty much all of them. And in this episode, we dive in to see how he manages all of this success in all these different fields. Um, so first, during the report round, we open up with some small talk about his favorite foods, the best advice he's ever received, and actually an activity he's not good at. So pretty interesting. Then we dive into the mindset of how he approaches training for all these different endeavors. So we talk about how to juggle and prioritize training. We talk about the positive mindset that will lead to better race results and also a, a really specific and interesting visualization technique that Logan uses that he credits a lot of his his OCR results to. So a lot of strong takeaways. Logan's a really positive and, and super motivational person. I love the conversation and you will too. All right, Logan Broadbent. All right, Logan Broadbent is here. Logan, thanks for joining me today. Hey, thanks for having me, Rich. Really excited to be with you today. Me too. Yeah, uh, I think we can cover a lot of really interesting, cool things, but we're going to start off with some random questions. It's the rapport round. Are you ready for that? I'm ready. Born ready. Great. Great. So if you had to choose three foods that you had to live on for the rest of your life, oh, what foods would those be? And like, it doesn't, ha- it could be like a combination of foods to like right. make a meal. Okay. So you're not okay. just like, it doesn't just have to be like chicken. So. All right, let's go what with it. Let's, let's see. All right. So three foods, three foods I'd have to, I'd have to have at all times. So let's go with, um, let's mix it up. We're going to go with, um, a smoothie, like a healthy smoothie, so I can get my vitamins, minerals. Everybody loves a smoothie, right? I'm going to count Smart. that as a food and not a drink because, you know, it kind of go either direction. Uh, it's, let's call sa- it- it's more satiating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. More satiating, right? You can get your nutrients because my other two options are not going to be as healthy. So let's go with like a green smoothie, <laughs> spinach, some kale, some, you know, all the good stuff, spirulina, wh- whatever you need. Uh, let's go with- um, So you don't want this smoothie to taste good is what you're saying. It's not going to taste great. It's you not want it to be a bad great. tasting smoothie. You no. can throw some pineapple in there. You can throw some kiwi, like whatever you know, whatever flavors it up a little bit. But uh, but no, it's it's not gonna it's not gonna be the best smoothie you've ever had. But let's face it, the best smoothies don't necessarily taste the best, right? The best ones for you. No. So we're gonna mix it one, up. One time <laughs> I was looking for like smoothie recipes just for like caloric intake purposes, and I was just like Google and stuff, and there was ones that were like add ice cream. I was like, well. No shit, this is going to be a good smoothie. This is just <laughs> a milkshake now. That's not that doesn't count. That's not the no, same exactly, thing. You need to get exactly. some chlorella, some spirulina. The, you need some a wheat grass. stuff. You need some wheatgrass in there. You need all the good stuff Oof. for sure. <laughs> all right, so we got the smoothie. What else? Oh yeah, smoothie. All right, let's go with um, you know, let's go with uh, let's go with Moose Tracks ice cream. Probably dairy free, right? I've tried to cut out dairy from my diet in general. I. I just don't need it that much. And, you know, we're, we're just gonna, we're just gonna leave it at that. And, um, and how about, um, oh my goodness, the last, the third and final, you know what, let's just go with, um, let's go with like a, like a power bowl, like some type of power bowl, which I guess is still on the healthy end, eggs, chickpeas, quinoa, you know, maybe some greens in there for some reason, you know, some fresh veggies, uh, kind of roasted and stuff in there. And then maybe, you know, maybe some chicken, you know, I'm not a vegetarian, so I, I can do that. But uh, yeah, yeah. Something like that. Now that I think about it, it is a pretty healthy list aside from the ice cream, right? The ice cream's the, maybe the bad part. Yeah. 
And I think that's fair because you're going to be eating it and it's going to be how it makes you feel. So it makes sense to have some healthy stuff in there. And is the, is the dairy, do you have some sort of intolerance or is that just something you try to cut out yeah, on your you own know, and just didn't? Honestly, I think like 85 or 86% of people technically have a lactose intolerance uh, of some, of some sort. Um, I happen to fall in that, in that majority. So yeah, yeah. I just, you mm. know, I'm just leaving. I do have, you know, the little lactate things that I like to take because, you know, who's going to not eat pizza, right. And for their entire life. Oh, yeah. An option. yeah. And I guess there's, when it comes to cheeses, some, some cheese doesn't have as much like lactose in it. So like, it depends on if like there's a lactose intolerance or if it is just like dairy in general, what it, what it depends on. But yeah, I don't really have that. So I'm eating that cheese. <laughs> No, I mean, mac and cheese, cheese sticks, you know, mozzarella sticks, whatever, you know, you can't cut it out completely. I don't have that willpower. No, I think you, but I think your, your list is good. I think you'll live a good, happy life with those three three food (laughs) options. So what, so you do a lot of things, you excel at a lot of things. So, but what is something that you are not good at? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, I get I get asked this question occasionally because people know that I have a lot of versatility and I, I do a lot of different things. One thing that I'm not very good at is uh, is singing a cappella. So okay. you know, if, I, if I'm if I'm singing, it's it's not pretty. But with music, you're good words. at singing a cappella. No, yeah, no, you need loud music if I'm singing, so loud that you can't hear me. You know, but but when you can't hear me, I sing like an angel. It's like the most beautiful voice. I'm Mariah. I'm Whitney. I'm I'm all of those things, and more. And maybe I don't know. So maybe you're not one for you're not one for karaoke. Are you are you out on karaoke then? Here's the, here's the thing, Rich. I love karaoke. I love karaoke, but I get kicked out of the karaoke bars. They're like, please don't come back. You know, thank you for trying, but yeah, we um, you know. It's probably just best that I leave it to the professionals. Let's put it that way. So I, I, I could, from what I know of you, I could see you being a karaoke person. But a lot of times karaoke, it's about the entertainment factor, right? Like you can get up there and you could just, and you could just own it. Like you're gonna give the people a good time. You may not, yeah, you may not delight the the eardrums, but you're gonna like put on a show. I bet. <laughs> I'm telling you, if you if you put on some Lizzo for me. You know, if you put on Lizzo, you know, in a karaoke bar, I'm going to I'm going to give it my all. But I can't guarantee it's, uh, you know, it's going to be a crowd pleaser or anything, but I'm going to have a great time. Yeah. And you got to as long as you commit to it and, you, and you're and you're all in, I think people, everybody else have a good time, too. So <laughs> Lizzo, but with music really loud, having 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 a real, real nice time. That makes sense to me. All right, so you do quite a few different sports, but if there was an Olympic sport, a current Olympic sport that exists, which one would you want to participate in? Oh my gosh. Wow. Wow, that is a question. That is a question. Um so a current existing Olympic sport. Um mm-hmm. you know what? I would love my uh a buddy of mine is the president of USA Bobsled. So mm. he does bobsled, skeleton, luge. I think that would be absolutely incredible. It has absolutely nothing to do with running, nothing to do with boomerangs, nothing to do with anything that I do today. Um, but I just think it would be amazing to be flying down a track at like 100 miles per hour. I think that would be <sighs> exhilarating. Those people who do the skeleton are insane. They go down head first. That just seems so intense. Yeah. It's it's super intense. Uh, and like – 
your mind just has to work so quickly to make those minute little adjustments. But I think like the exhilaration, like the adrenaline that you get from, from that sport would be absolutely amazing. I used to be a diver. I used to be a really good diver. Um, mm. So maybe diving would be cool for the summer Olympics and maybe mm-hmm. skeleton for the winter. So I can double up. I think that'd be yeah. kind of cool. Be unprecedented. That'd be great. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. And what is the best piece of advice you've ever been given? The best piece of advice I've ever been given. Oh man, that's, that's a big one. That's a big question. I would say, um, you know, something that my dad always instilled in me from like a young, young kid was, uh, he always said, do what you love, love what you do. And the world will come back to you just like a boomerang. Of course he had to incorporate boomerangs into it somehow, (laughs) but if you do what you love and you love what you do, the world will come back to you. And, and, and that's something that I always think about. It's kind of my philosophy on how I live my life and and the things that I do. And, uh, and it's really paid off in, in a lot of different ways from career to athletics, to hobbies, to community work that I do. Uh, it kind of all, it's all encompassing. It's nice to have that type of, it's almost like a compass, right? Like you can ask yourself, like if you're faced with a decision and you have like an ethos like that, like instilled in you, it just kind of makes it easier. Yeah. It makes it easy to make decisions, right? When you're thinking about doing the right thing or making like a tough decision, right? Should I take this job? Should I go to this competition? Even though it's going to require some investment to get there. Um, You know, I kind of go back to that. And if, if it fits in, then it's certainly a decision that I, that I end up making. I like that. And then that's very practical, right? And it's because when people get faced with those decisions, at least, at least I know in my own life, I'm like, oh, what, what is it that I'm supposed to do? Where, what should it, what should I be looking at here? What is the smart move? But if you have that thing, it's like, if I'm doing what I love. Like that makes, that makes it real simple. Just cut and dry. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. It makes your life, it makes your life a whole lot simpler when you have kind of that, that one thing that you go to, right. That you, that you constantly think back and, and fall back on. And that's, nice. that's definitely it for me. Do what you love, love what you do, and the world will come back to you. Like a boomerang. Um, <laughs> awesome, man. So uh, made it through the report round. You did it. Did great. So cool. uh, I'm out of the hot seat now, right? You're, yeah, you can just, you're cooled off now. Now we're just chilling. <laughs> so you're, I mean, you are interesting. We alluded to it, uh, we alluded to it a couple times in terms of the different endeavors that you're in. So when someone asks you to describe them i'm just going to ask you how do you would you describe yourself as an athlete to someone oh my gosh i'm you know i feel like i'm still discovering what type of athlete i am right i'm 32 years old at this point and i still tend to discover like these new facets of what i do and what i could do and and i think that's certainly the case for everybody right if you're not trying new things you never really know what you're capable of and Mm -hmm. um and in my case, everything is kind of built on my past experiences. So I describe myself as a boomerang thrower because I started throwing boomerangs since almost before I could walk, basically, right? Since I was a kid, I've been traveling around the world, throwing, catching boomerangs, going to competitions. Um, you know, I've won three world championships with my team, uh, finished second in the world at the past two World Cups. Um, so that's something that's always been a part of me. It's, it's been my identity for a long time. Then I started running and I became a competitive runner, probably in, you know, late elementary school through middle school and, and beyond. And so I consider myself a runner and a boomerang thrower. Um, more recently, yeah, I became a diver more recently. I became, um, I got started in American Ninja Warrior. So I did that the past four seasons, uh, on the show. 
And uh, that required a lot of obstacle work, a lot of obstacle training. You know, I'd always done recreational rock climbing. I've been kind of a backyard gymnast my entire life. Uh, so it all kind of, you know, related. Um, and then I took my distance running and my obstacle training to get involved in obstacle course racing just about, you know, maybe only three years ago. So I'm relatively new to the sport, relative in terms of, you know, relative to some of the other pros and some of the other, you know, top athletes. Um, but it's something that I decided to just give it a shot, you know, see if it works. And, and I really enjoyed it. I've loved the community uh, and it's kind of built on that. So I consider myself really an all around athlete in all of these different facets. I also, you know, was a, a big triathlete between, you know, high school, college, and then just after college. And, um, you know, so, so definitely an endurance athlete first, boomerang thrower by far. And now, you know, what I've done with the Ninja Warrior and obstacle training, it's, it's just a whole nother, whole nother level. Yeah, we'll definitely get into that and how those kind of things relate into each other and kind of how you balance all the training and everything. But I kind of want to stick on the boomerang thing a little bit because I <laughs> like as I've like gotten to know you a little bit and just kind of followed you and I realized like that this was an actual sport as opposed right. to like a recreational activity. Um, and from the very limited research I've done, it looks like some of the competitions that you are a part of, it looks like there's like six or seven different styles or like types of competition right. within the one competition and it kind of scores these different uh areas and then the overall score is where where you then would finish overall exactly. and, and like it's not hyperbole to say that you are one of the best boomerang throwers in the country or, or world yeah you, appreciate right? it. like like just objectively i'm not like not, <laughs> not, not my opinion like yeah, do yeah, well in these competitions yeah. um so what is that sport like could you could you give a little bit more detail as to sure. what the sport is? Cause I, I couldn't really grasp what the each, each parts of it were. Um, so yeah, just give <laughs> us a little rundown about like, how, how do you tell people about what this sport is? Yeah. And I think the difficulty in grasping what the sport is and what the concept is, is that everybody has framed in their mind, the idea of a traditional boomerang, right? This two wing wooden boomerang that you throw casually, it kind of goes out, turns, comes back. And that's certainly the case, right? Those are boomerangs and, and we can, we can throw and catch those. But in competition, we're actually throwing and catching in nearly every event. And so it's not about hitting targets. It's not about, if you've seen some of my trick shot videos on YouTube and stuff like that, I don't hit things in the competition, I actually throw and catch. And we have different boomerangs made out of different materials that have different aerodynamics that are made specifically for each of those six or seven different events. And so there's fast catch where we're throwing boomerangs that are moving 80 to 90 miles per hour when they leave our hands. I mean, they're mm. flying and they have to travel over 20 meters past where we're throwing from. And so you're throwing and catching as fast as possible. There's endurance, which is five minutes how many throws and catches can you make in five minutes? Now in hmm. five minutes doesn't sound like quote unquote endurance, right? But it requires a lot of agility, a lot of jumping, running, catching. Um, so yeah, it does wear like you out pretty quick. The mile is an endurance event and that's, you know. Right. Exactly. Minutes, some people minutes, may not, right? and some of us in OCR don't consider a mile endurance, right? But, but, but it is, yeah. The case. Uh, there's maximum time aloft. We have boomerangs made out of micro balloons and epoxy covered in carbon and Kevlar fibers. So super high tech, very rigid boomerangs that are made to stay up in the air as long as possible. Uh, there's trick catch and doubling. I throw two boomerangs at once. I have to catch behind my back, under the legs, with my feet. Uh, I actually do a backflip catch and catch boomerang midflip. Um, so those are really, really cool events. And then there's distance. 
I actually hold the U.S. record for distance. I threw Boomerang 177 yards all the way out with a full return 177 yards back. So if you what? think about that, you're throwing something almost two football fields out, and it's coming all the way back. So it's how long is that in the air for? It seems like that'd be in the air for. Oh, it's probably in the it's probably in the air for maybe you know. 10, 12 seconds total. So you keep eyeballs on that. I feel like you would just couldn't see yeah, the thing. Yeah, yeah. We have like a triangulation system and we use Bushnell rangefinders and, and all sorts of stuff to, to get the accurate distance. But it's it's really cool and totally unique. So we have all these different events that are testing these different skills. Hmm. And then there are, are countries all over the world. Obviously, it's not the biggest sport in the US because we have baseball basketball, football. soccer, yeah, football, yeah. everything else, right? Um, but in other countries, like in Indonesia, it's growing very quickly, in Brazil, in Japan, in Australia, in Europe. Um, you know, and so every two years, there's a world championship. I've gotten to travel all over the world competing, you know, with the U.S. team. And, uh, and what's cool about it is it's led to all these other really cool opportunities. So similar to the OCR community, there's this boomerang community, these people who come from all different backgrounds and walks of life, uh, different you know, political philosophies, uh, different you know, social you know, levels and things. But we all share this one passion in common, uh, and that is boomerangs. And it's kind of the, you know, the great equalizer. It brings everybody together. And, uh, and it's just an incredible experience. Yeah, it's funny. Like wherever there is like a subculture, subgenre of something, there's going to be people that are like obsessed with it and like follow it. Are you like oh, totally. boomerang famous? Like when you go to these, will you get like people take pictures with you and everything? Oh yeah, I mean, if I go to certain places, like I'll, I'll be recognized certain places, and and a lot of kids may recognize me from like Ninja Warrior, from my YouTube stuff, or, or right. something like that, right? Uh, but even in competitions, right? Anybody, if I haven't met somebody and I go to a competition in like Indonesia or something, like it's really cool to have them like be like, Hey, I followed you or I know about you or uh, we signed my boomerang stuff like that, That's which awesome. sounds so ridiculous. <laughs> and it may sound ridiculous to the people at home, but it's uh yeah, it's really special. It's really special to kind of have that impact and to, um, you know, to be kind of a big fish in a, in a small pond relatively right for the sport. Um, but it does give me the chance to, you know, share my passion with other people and to kind of, you know, help lift up young people who, who need that motivation. And I mean, that's the same for obstacle course racing, right? It's the same kind of deal. Like there are certain people that would be recognized, you know, the Hunter McIntyres or whatever, sure, you know, the sure. Hikens, like those are like the people, but that's you for boomerang. <laughs> that's me for um, boomerangs. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Great. So with the training for boomerang, I know your, your dad was also a thrower or is yeah, that a thrower, boomerang thrower. They call us a lot of things, but yeah, you can okay. call us thrower. <laughs> we're both thrower. So I know your dad's thrower. I know it's kind of been in your blood. You've been doing it since you were younger, but what is there like structured training that you would do for this? Cause like watching this, there is definitely a lot of, um, like definitely plyometric movements, a lot of fast sure. twitch, a lot of stop starting and stopping, a lot of focus and like hand eye stuff coming in. So what's the training like for it? Would it be structured how it would be for like with endurance, right? Like you have this day or with OCR, you know, you have like a, a strength day and or or however you would structure your training in boomerang. Do you, do you structure it like that or do you just kind of throw? I do. Fun? Yeah. I mean, most people just kind of throw right and go out there and do their own thing. I've kind of, I've changed, you know, I've changed it up so that when I have a world cup or like national championships, something coming up where I really need to hone in and, and focus, then I have my routine. Um, now boomerang throwing, right. Similar to being a baseball pitcher, you can't throw every single day, day in and day out. Right. So it's a lot of wear and tear on your shoulder, on your elbow. 
Um, you know, similar to OCR, right? You can't do heavy bag carries every single day because then you're just going to wear yourself out and it's right. going to be counterproductive. Uh, but for me, um, yeah, I'll go out, I'll throw, I'll get through, you know, each of my events. Um, it's really important that I'm, that I'm practicing in really tough conditions. So I mean, tough wind conditions, getting out when it's raining, like the last, you know, when, when most people would say, there's no way I'm going out to throw boomerangs right now. That's when I have to get out and practice because, Practicing in those conditions are going to make you prepared for those conditions and competition. Mm. And I've been in, uh, and similar to OCR, you got to get out there on those cold days, on those wet days, on the muddy days, on, you know, the really, really hot, dry days when you know that you're going to, you're going to be suffering. Um, but that prepares you for that race scenario and, um, and similar for, similar with mine. So, so what I do is I train a couple days a week throwing all the in-between days, the training that I'm doing for OCR is also complementing what I would do in boomerang. So I need to have endurance. I need to have speed, agility, power. Um, I need to be able to react quickly, right? Especially to, you know, boomerang just flying over my head. I need to be able to jump high and, and make those, make those plays. And, um, uh, and so in that way, they kind of help each other out. So I can throw on maybe my days off from OCR training. I'll be out throwing, um, you know, that once a week or so. And then I'll incorporate it a couple other days in the week. Yeah, because that was something that I was curious about, like how the, how these do intertwine. Because I could imagine, but it makes sense because of the wear and tear that you would take. Because the way you throw that thing, it looked like the whip <laughs> that you have on your arm, it looks kind of brutal. Do people get like, Tommy John surgery? Do they have like bad injuries for this? I can't All admit, like, the time. It yeah. looks like, I el- mean, like the elbow whip looks really rough. Right, right. So you'll notice I wrap my elbow, right, when I throw. And that's because I had an ulnar collateral ligament tear, you know, on the medial side of my elbow, which is what Tommy John surgery was developed for. It's for that ligament. Oh. Uh, so very similar to a baseball pitcher, football player, you know. Um, yeah, we're throwing boomerangs that are lighter generally than than those objects. Uh, they have less you know, overall mass, but you are snapping. You're giving them a lot of spin, and so just that technique is, uh, you know, is 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 pretty tough on on your ligaments and, and stuff. So you got to stretch a lot. You got to you know, I do massage therapies. I do you know, I ice you know after I've been throwing when I get off the field, um, just to make sure that I'm I'm taking care of myself. And then I do I do wrap you know, uh, certain, certain areas to take that pressure off the ligaments. Yeah. Because you can't do that over and over and not <laughs> absolutely rip something. <laughs> There's right. probably season, like career ending injuries with that. Cause I would, I would think something lighter yeah. might even be harder on your elbow and right. arm just cause, cause you're, you're moving faster and you're stopping quicker. Yeah. Right. So you really need to be able to work on mechanics and follow through. So, you know, when I'm throwing, you'll notice I'm leaning all the way over. I'm letting my arm drop all the way around my side and, and slow down as opposed to stopping like right at the end of my throw. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that follow through is important. The mechanics are, are vital and getting the power. Obviously I'm actually, I'm only five, six. Most people think that, you know, I'm taller or bigger, you know, given what I do and, um, but I have to generate a lot of power for my entire body, right. To get into the boomerang. And then I need to make a lot of spin. So other people can make up for it with long arms and having more, right. more torque leverage. Mechanic. Yeah. 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 But for me, it's all about that torque. Huh? So how does it, how do the two co-mingle then when it comes to training for both? Cause it seems like you're doing all of it congruently. Like, is there a time mm-hmm. or is it, is that kind of how it always is that your, your boomerang training is always present with your OCR training or do you kind of periodize it in certain ways? Yeah. 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 So I kind of split it up. So the world championships is only held every two years for boomerang throwing. And so that's going to require, you know, a 
vast amount of dedicated time training, right? Probably, you know, four or five months out, right? From that competition. And, you know, as boomerang competitors, we make our own boomerangs that we're using in competition. So some of that time is spent in the garage, making and developing these boomerangs, working on the aerodynamics to get them to work the way we need them to a competition. So, you know, so that's one aspect of it. And then similar, I have to balance that with OCR. Uh, so when I have big races coming up, you know, I'm going to dedicate more of my time specifically toward OCR training, but I'm trying to train, you know, I'm trying to, 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 to time my training so that I'm peaked right at the right moment, in either one of those competitions. Mm. Luckily we can balance it out so that the days that I'm not, training hard for OCR, maybe my rest or recovery days where I'm just putting in kind of, you know, tempo miles, lighter miles, you know, maybe some, some light lifting and stuff. Those are the days that I can spend throwing and catching boomerangs, training hard in boomerang competition and, and vice versa, right? So if I'm training hard in OCR, doing hill workouts, doing those really fast tempo workouts, um, heavy bag carries, whatever, um, you know, then I can, usually I can get out to throw those days too. Hmm. And so, you know, you kind of balance it out or, or maybe I'll take that day off of, you know, off of throwing and that'll be kind of my rest day. Because the systems that you're using, they are different, right? It's not like you're doing totally the, like something similar on, on both ends. Like there's an endurance aspect and then there's more of like a skill more. I would. I yeah, right, right. Say. There's more of a skill. And with boomerangs, you know, you, you know, the explosiveness that I get from OCR training uh, can translate to boomerang throwing, right? So some of the strength stuff that I'm doing with OCR, right? Um, you're only doing strength up until a point. You don't want to put on so much muscle that it's going to inhibit your ability to run fast and especially to run those vertical, you know, those elevation gains. Mm. So, you know, so that's kind of a delicate balance. Similar with boomerangs, I want to be strong enough that I can throw very hard, keeping everything in good shape, but I need to be agile. I need to be quick and I need to have that power. And, uh, and so they do, they do quite, they do overlap quite a bit. I do a lot of plyometrics. I do a lot of explosive movements in my training. Everything that I do, is interval related so um you know i'm doing you know minute and a half on maybe 10 seconds off and then moving to the next exercise quickly and i'm incorporating a lot of the explosiveness into it got it and is the endurance training is that the constant throughout all of it is there, is there always some all sort of, of aerobic yeah to yeah it? there's there are a few yeah there are very few days where i'm not doing something endurance related um, you know, from, from long miles and, and, you know, in terms of cardio, almost all of my training that I'm doing, aside from just boomerang throwing itself and working on the specific events, uh, has some incorporation of cardio built into it. Hmm. And is that, do you find that to be an advantage for you against the other throwers? Are they, are they training endurance that way? Or are, are they, are they yeah. kind of like you where they're doing different things or do people all kind of train the same way in boomerang. Yeah. So in boomerang competition, uh, a lot of people are just going out there and throwing and, uh, and then maybe doing a little bit of work in the, in the off time in those days between throwing sessions. Uh, the problem with that is that they aren't doing the type of work that I think translates to being a really good competitor. So they may be able to throw and catch well, but if they have a bad throw or if they make a mistake, they aren't able to react quickly enough to, you know, to where the boomerang is going to be, get there fast enough to make the catch, to make the play. And that's where I have an advantage. If it's really windy, the boomerangs are getting blown all around. You're running and diving and, uh, and doing all sorts of stuff. That's where I hold the biggest advantage. If you're just standing in the same place, throwing and catching, 
this starts to even up a little bit. But if it's a windy, tough tournament, I know that I'm going to be in the best position to win. In the videos that you have posted, it's there's an obvious element of athleticism, right? And so is that something that you make sure to put in – and is that where like the Ninja Warrior training kind of came yeah. across or is – like, how did you then find yourself into Ninja Warrior? Was that just, did you did you see it as a way to get better to help Boomerang? Or was something that like, I, I could do this, this is going to be cool, this might be fun? Or yeah. or how did you kind of come into In a that? way, so for me personally, going into Ninja Warrior, a lot of it was me being able to help promote a sport that I really love. Huh. So I wanted to do, ops, I want, I loved obstacle stuff. I was spending a lot of time in the climbing gym. Um, I was always kind of, like I said, a backyard gymnast, right? Doing backflips with full twists and, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff like that since I was a diver back in the day. Mm. Um, and, and this was just an outlet to, hey, let's challenge myself. Let's try something new. It's kind of like the people who are, you know, maybe on the couch at home and they decide, huh, like I just saw this ad pop up for a Spartan race. Maybe I should think about, you know, trying it just to try it. Right. Just to see if I'm capable of doing it. And um, that's what American Ninja Warrior was for me. A lot of my friends were like, Hey, you should really think about applying. Um, you know, I met some folks in Cleveland who were doing obstacle types of things. Uh, they told me I should apply for the show. And so I finally signed up and said, Hey, why not? Let's give it a shot. And, um, and they call me the boomerang ninja, right? Because everybody has to have some kind of hook or some sort of <laughs> weird thing, but it's been cool because I've been able to share boomerangs with the world through a national, you know, national television show. And then the stuff that I do in the community kind of, uh, you know, translates as well. So it was, uh, it was a great opportunity, decided to take it and you never know what you're capable of doing unless you try, right. Unless you apply, unless you sign up for a race and just go give it a shot. Um, you know, you, you just never know. So take, you know, take every shot you can. And, that's it seems like a really cool way to promote that because people are dialed in and the stories that they tell at American Ninja Warrior, it is a way to kind of get your message out there. De- definitely not the most creative name for you, but it was it's definitely <laughs> no. simple and it gets the point <laughs> right. across. But um, yeah. So did do you feel like that tr- like did that training add a new element to So was American Ninja Warrior before Spartan then? For you? Yeah, it and was. Ninja Warrior was before Spartan for me. Yeah, so I was a boomerang thrower, a diver, then a runner, and I had always been a runner, right? right. I've been a runner, you know, since almost since I was a boomerang thrower, and um, you know, and then I did Ninja Warrior. So I was doing a lot of obstacle training, spending a lot of time in these obstacle specific gyms, rock climbing gyms, that sort of thing. And I thought, man, you know, I can run and I can do obstacles really proficiently. Why don't I sign up for an OCR? I've been you know? this on and, accident. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. I know. I didn't even realize. I was like, of course. Like, I don't know why I didn't connect the two sooner. But, um, but yeah, I, I met up with the Cleveland Obstacle Racing Alliance or Cobra. You may see us at different races here and there. Mm-hmm. I made some great friends there and, um, you know, started going to a few races and it started winning, you know, most of the races I was going to. So it was, uh, you know, it worked out perfect. And it was a really nice niche between the two sports that I already was doing and, and love to do. So, you know, this is kind of that amplified. What is something that you think people could take from like boomerang training that they could implement into their own world right. that would help them for obstacle course racing? Like, what do you think? Yeah. Do you think there's carryover? There certainly is. Yeah, there definitely is. So, so what's similar about certain obstacle races and boomerangs is that you have typically one shot 
right, to execute mm. a, you know, execute a performance, whether it be an obstacle like a rig or, or you know, something like that, um, or boomerangs. In boomerangs, you have, you know, in a lot of these events, you only have one shot, right, to do it well. And so that's where the mental aspect of the sport comes in. Hmm. And uh, I think a lot of people work on training their physical preparation, but very few people work on the mental aspect of their sport. So, uh, you know, for boomerangs, I have, you know, I'm at the world championships, uh, my team's counting on me, or maybe I'm in an individual competition and I have one shot. If I blow it, then there's no chance of winning the world championship, right? There's, uh, you, you can lose very, very quickly. So, um, you know, so that mental preparation of being able to, to execute in the moment uh, really translates well into obstacle course racing because um, when you're coming up on an obstacle, you may be exhausted, you may be tired, you really need to pull it together and think about what your strategy is to get past that obstacle effectively uh, and successfully. Otherwise, you're stuck doing burpees or you got to go back to the front of the line and you got to, you know, you got you to maneuver and, and you can lose a race that quickly. Right. So I would say that's where they most, most likely translate. I like that. It's like the readiness to be able to perform. Right. And like, absolutely. There's certainly an element in OCR where that needs to, to happen. And one one place where I struggle with OCR sometimes is just like the problem solving that happens as a runner for a long time. Like there's not that many problems that happen in a half marathon (laughs) or like a 5k. No, really not. You just, it's all physical. Yeah. You just die. But like in, in, OCR, there's times where something happens and you have to adjust and mentally make the choice of what is going to be the best course of action and what makes the most sense, like on the fly, you know? And it seems like that's sort of the case for, for boomerang as well. Like you're almost consistently focused, like really dialed in focus for that point where you release it and then where you need to track it down and catch it, that you're so mentally dialed in. Do you, do you feel like that, like training that reaction time and just the decision-making has helped with OCR? A hundred percent, a hundred percent, because what we're doing in competition, we are also up against mother nature, right? So Mm. if I throw a boomerang and there's a wind gust or there's something funky that happens, um, I need to be immediately ready to adapt. And I mean, within the split of a split of a second, right? Mm. I need to be able to react and I need to, you know, be able to track it down and and, and get to it. Um, In obstacle course racing, anything can happen, right? You can break a shoelace, you can lose a shoe, you can uh, be kicked or bumped or something by another athlete. You can grab something that's more slippery than you anticipated and you need to be ready to figure it out, right? Otherwise, um, you lose precious time and, and you can essentially just lose a race in that case. Um, so yeah, it, it completely translates. So that's why you need to prepare in all of those different scenarios, all of those different situations. You want to put yourself in that situation before the competition happens and then you'll be ready for it. You got to train, you know, train for what could go wrong, right? Prepare for the worst, hope for the best. And that's, right. that's where I'm at. And like, yeah, well, we spent a lot of time just training the physical much like you would for running. Mm-hmm. It's like, just right. hit these hills, right. get these miles in, be in the best shape possible, which will probably get you the best results. Very but important. They're, they're very very important. important. <laughs> but there is a, a matter of, of the, the things that are unforeseen and practicing right. that is hard, right? Practicing that, pra- practicing something that's unforeseen outside of a race is, is difficult because like you have your sandbag, you know how it's going to feel, you run your trails, you know how right. it's going to go. Right. So taking something like, 
like like just throwing a boomerang around and just like being dialed in and focused. And I've had mm-hmm. some people, I've talked to some people before that talk about reaction training and they try to like put it, like changing the focus of their, of their vision as they're going sure. through like high intensity training or something as a way to help people train that reaction. What, what, what's the first thing is if someone wanted to throw to get a boomerang, to throw a boomerang, what should they do? Should, well, follow you, follow you on YouTube, subscribe. Yeah, follow me on YouTube. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. Do that first. Uh, send me a message, you know, send me a message, uh, you know, on, uh, on, I'm sorry, on Instagram, you know, find me, follow me on Instagram, shoot me a message. If you need a boomerang, I've got, I actually had a, I have a boomerang business. My website is under, oh, is nice. under redevelopment right now. Um, but I, I make and sell boomerangs all over the world. You know, no I send them to every country and it's, it's absolutely amazing. So really enjoy getting new beginners like into the sport and getting them to try something new. Um, and if you're doing obstacle course racing and you're thinking like, okay, I have one shot, I'm going to throw and catch this boomerang perfectly, or I'm going to have to do it 10 times over again. Or right. Uh, that kind of train. <laughs> yeah. That's a good way to maybe incorporate it into your off days or something like that. Um, yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'd, I'd love to get people boomerangs if they want to try it and, and maybe use it even as, you know, just something fun to do with their kids. I think they should incorporate boomerangs as an obstacle in all of these OCRs. I think that would give me a very firm advantage. That would be, that would be convenient. You're like, oh, the boomerang <laughs> obstacle. Logan didn't fail. Go figure. <laughs> right. um, like a spear throw. The, yeah, exactly. The, and uh, so I had boomerangs, yeah, when I was like a kid and I would just throw them and they would go straight. And then I would yep. just run down and pick it up off the ground, and then I wouldn't know what to do. So, like, you have tutorials and things too, right? To, to teach. I do. How, I've got all that. Yeah, check me out on YouTube. You'll figure. It. You'll be. You'll be a pro in no time. You can join my team. It'll be great. <laughs> you'll be doing world championships, and it's, it seems like a really nice social distancing type of endeavor. You don't need anybody exactly. else. Exactly. You can just throw it, catch it. You're in a huge open field spread out from everybody. And, you know, people tend to avoid us because, I mean, how weird is boomerangs, right? So it's it's perfect. You don't have to worry about anybody coming up and talking to you. (laughs) (laughs) So in... To switch back into like the obstacle course racing avenue a little sure. bit, you've you said you've been on it maybe for like three years, and as you were coming up, it, it, from the results that I've seen, just like you know, just being in the circuit with you a little bit, it seems like your results have gotten better and better each year. And this past year, it looks like your results like really kind of jumped. Like you were, oh, yeah. you were definitely yeah. a competitor in like local races, and like you mix it up in some of the national races as well. But this, this past year, you know, you're top ten in West Virginia. I think you're what sixteenth in Tahoe. You won a bunch of races yeah. in the Midwest. A, a couple of like the series races you're on the podium. Sure. Um, sure. so you're doing great, but what, what do you think has helped make that jump in the, in the previous years, uh, from like last year, uh, what kind of yeah. things are you, are you doing to help improve in such a, a fashion? Good question. Good question. You know, I always felt like my physical capability was there in terms of, you know, the times I was putting down and some of my workouts, um, you know, the training, you know, the training aspect, I, I felt like, um, you know, I was there, uh, you know, some of it was, obstacle specific like a tire flip right i didn't realize you know what was required or the techniques involved in, in certain certain obstacles right especially my first second year where you're only doing a couple races and you know you don't you know you don't dedicate the time to figuring out all the different techniques you don't learn from the pros like hey how are they doing it you know that sort of thing um so i think the biggest thing has just been um, you know, talking to and interacting with a lot of my competition mm. and people like, uh, 
you know, like Aaron Newell and Ian Hosick and Ryan Atkins and, you know, all these guys who have been uh, super welcoming to me in the sport and giving me different advice on, you know, hey, you, you try it this way or you can try it this way. You can do this, you can do that. Um, and as you learn those things, you're saving very valuable time off of your total course, um, you know, speed. And so, um, you know, so that's been a major aspect of it. Um, I think that along with, um, you know, just uh, understanding how to pace for these types of races and these events is really important. You see a lot of people just blast off the line and you know better than to do that as a, as a distance runner in general, right? It's a very long race and the first 400 meters don't matter that much. Mm. Um, but, uh, but understanding how to pace based on the topography of the course, um, where certain obstacles are, where you're going to get gassed, um, doing the visual, I've started incorporating visualization into my training. So, you know, as soon as a map is released, I go through and I visualize, you know, each obstacle, how far apart they are, what type of rest you're going to get. If it's on a course that you've done before, it's even more helpful because you're more familiar with the terrain. Um, but certainly the night before a race, right. Kind of going through in your mind with your eyes closed, like, each obstacle where you may have stroke, you know, where you may face challenges, like obstacles that maybe you aren't as proficient at or that you failed in the past, visualize yourself successfully completing those obstacles uh, and jumping off and, and moving on to the next one. Um, those are those are really important. So talk to people about different techniques. Learn how to improve your technique on specific obstacles. Of course, continue to train effectively. Incorporate hill training, tempo training. You know, some track and speed work into your work into your workouts, um, and then also make sure you learn how to visualize. Learn how to visualize and see yourself successfully completing races, and, and I think those have all led to more successful competitions in the past couple of years. Yeah, it sounds like it's your became like a student of the sport, right? Like taking those that, mm -hmm. that are doing it well and just learning from them and, and kind of studying and figuring it out. What What is that visualization process like for you? Because I, this past year is like, I really started to take that a little bit more serious as well. Like just kind of into this year before I didn't put too much weight on the map for whatever reason, I think I was just kind of being lazy, being mm -hmm. honest. Like I didn't want right. to, to set up that. It's like, okay, whatever happens, like I'm going to need to be able to handle it. But when you do sit down and, and know what's coming, it's definitely a helpful process so like do you are you literally like writing things out or are you just looking at the map and like thinking about how you're going to feel what it's going to look like when you get to that point like what is that visualization yeah. look uh like what's that process like <clears throat> yeah so absolutely so so rich you know as well as i do that like confidence right going in any race and feeling good being positive is immensely useful right in any race the races where you do your best are the ones where you're relaxed you're confident, you know you're well-prepared, and you go into it with that mentality. The way you go into it with that mentality is through this visualization technique. Mm. So when I talk about how I visualize, that's my method of building my confidence and preparing myself uh, mentally for having a good, positive you know, successful race that will result in a successful race. So, um, you know, so for me, you know, first I, I break down all of the obstacles, right. That are going to be in, uh, in a specific race, right. If you have the option to do so, I know there's a lot of races out there where you may not know what obstacles right. you're, specifically you're going to see or when they're going to show us. Yeah. Yeah. But Spartan will tell you, Spartan will tell you, and, and you may only have a day or two's notice, right. Maybe it's a Thursday or Friday before, um, but what I do is I break down each obstacle, even the ones that are really simple, right, to get through. And I um, 
you know, and, and I, I, I will write down like different techniques for the really tough obstacles, hmm. the ones where, Hey, don't forget to do this. Don't forget to do that. Right. Um, if your hands are wet, do this, you know, those different things are really, really important. Um, just so, because when you're in a race, it's easy to forget those small things. You can practice something a million times, but when you're in a race and you're delirious, right? Because a lot of these races, it's hot, you're sweating, it's hard to think straight, but you're still pushing really hard. Um, you make these little mental lapses where you're like, wait, that's, that's not what I practice. That's not, you know, I know that I went into this with a different plan. Right. So, so visualizing before it will help you avoid, right. Those specific issues. It'll help you avoid uh, those things happening. So break down the really tough, like think about all the small, easy obstacles that you're going to do. No problem, but really break down the tough obstacles, you know, write down different techniques, um, you know, practice, visualize yourself going through those different techniques. And, um, and that should give you the confidence in the start, at least in the start of the race. And then as you bust down each obstacle during the race, it builds your confidence even more, even when you're exhausted. And having that positive mindset is something we should also talk about. Like when you're really breaking down, you feel like you can't go any further. Like how important is it to stay positive mentally and trick yourself into believing that you're in better shape than maybe you actually are and yeah. that you're more prepared than you actually are because that, um, you know, that also goes a very long way. Absolutely. Yeah. We can dive into like that kind of positivity mm -hmm. and what, what it feels like for the mindset, but just want to add a, a note on to that. Like, sure. the, the calm feeling is something that I completely agree with. And when I actually did go ahead and really visualize and start to play all these things out, I felt awesome going into <laughs> that specific race. I'm like, cool, I got it. And I've already done, I've already done this. But then and we got out there and I just didn't execute. I just like didn't right, do the right. plan. I like just like forgot. I was like, and then later I was like, why didn't that go well? It's like, oh, because I didn't do what I said I was going to do. So the execution part is also important. But like having that plan totally would be really helpful. So I like that. And taking yeah. that time yeah. and just taking it serious. You know, like take your time, look at it, look it over and make sure that you know how to get through it. Because Yeah, consider it as much a part of your training as nutrition and stretching and you know, doing the workouts, like those, those mental exercises and the visualization, I, I think, you know, for me personally, it's just as important between that and kind of the positive mindset. It's, uh, it's absolutely vital. And it will, it will be the quickest way to up your game, right? If it's, if it's not physical related, and like your, your physical preparation, the fastest way to improve your times is to visualize and to, to, you know, kind of force yourself to exercise a positive mindset. Absolutely. And just, I think there has been studies that have shown that you can improve your skilled skills of something just by like wiring it through your brain. So like if you visualizing yourself doing it better and exactly right? what you're going to do. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. And I know like I've definitely done that in like certain like the CrossFit gymnastic style movements where I would just like obsess about it and think about it. And then I'd just be like, Oh, that's how you do it. And then I could go and I yes. could do it again. And, um, uh, someone who was on the podcast, uh, Chris Brown, who was on the podcast a couple weeks ago said the yeah. same things. Like once I figured out how to do them, I could just kind of think about it. And then I just like knew how to do it. So it wasn't as right. much about like trying to beat the door down, doing grip strength or, or, or anything like that. Just like reminding yourself and visualizing it. Um, exactly. So what does that positive mindset mean to you? Like, is that, does that manifest in, in the way of a mantra or is it just like a, 
the whole time you're kind of enjoying it while you're out there because you do look like you're having right. fun when you're out there. I don't, and I don't know if it's like something you're reminding <laughs> yourself or is it something that when, yeah. like, how does that kind of play out on in practice? You know, uh, it may look like I'm, I'm having a good time and because I'm, I'm faking it, I'm trying to, <laughs> you know, and I do like, I love it before the race, after the race, like, I'm so happy that I'm going to do it. I'm so happy that I did it. But when you're doing it, you're like, what am I doing? Here? Right? Like, how, how often does that enter your head? Like, why do I do this? This actually right? sucks. It's objectively yeah, like, terrible. Oh my gosh. Like yeah. my heart's going to stop. Like I'm going to pass out. Like all those things go through your head. Um, and, you know, but that positive mindset thinking like, there's something in me that has always been attracted to the idea of, pushing my limits, you know, personally and physically, like what is that, what is that line and continuing to push it further and further out until at some point it hasn't happened yet, but like I break and it doesn't work. Right. And I fall apart. Um, and, you know, I think there's something appealing to that about, you know, in everybody, right. We all have our frontiers. We all have, um, you know, our goals, our aspirations, things that we wanted to accomplish. Um, but, and especially in OCR, I think it attracts a type of individual who kind of has kind of those lofty goals and likes pushing their limits. Mm -hmm. um, but for me personally, um, you know, I do get pure enjoyment out of the struggle, right? Out of, you know, whether it's in training um, or in racing itself, like I enjoy suffering to some extent uh, because I think it builds character. I think it builds yourself personally. I think it has a lot of external like outside of the sport benefits mm. right when you're able to put yourself in really uncomfortable situations and um and, and do something tougher than than what you thought maybe you were capable of um and so you know so that's you know and for me personally everybody you know i draw on some personal um you know personal hardships and adversity that i had overcome you know especially at a, at a young age right some some challenges that i faced you know when i was when i was young through um you know poverty and abuse and other things you know growing up and uh just being able to tap into understanding what you've overcome in the past uh, even in something as as relatively minuscule as, as a race, right? You were able to overcome these really big challenges. Now you have this challenges that in comparison seems very small. Uh, it makes you that much more confident in being able to, um, to really push yourself further and harder, uh, understanding you've been through worse and, um, and that you're more capable than, than you may feel at that moment. Um, so hopefully everybody has those experiences that they like to draw on, or maybe they have um, examples of people who have inspired them, who have overcome certain challenges and, and adversity. I have a brother and sister with cystic fibrosis, um, including my twin brother. He actually has CF. Mm -hmm. And just understanding what he's been able to overcome and like the challenges and the hardships that he's faced, uh, it makes every obstacle and everything that I'm facing in a race seem minuscule in comparison. And it just gives me that, that confidence and that, um, that ability to, to overcome those things, you know, just, you know, a, as simple inspiration. Um, so yeah, I, I know that seems like kind of a long answer and maybe I was all over the place, but, um, you know, drawing on your own personal struggle or finding inspiration from people who you know have overcome really difficult situations translates really well during these races when you feel like, you know, you got to give up. And you answered the, the question perfectly, right? And it's just like where this comes from because it's easy just to be like, oh, be positive. Just 
like tell yourself good <laughs> things, but like, okay, like how, where, where, what is it that it's going to speak to you? And like, you have your own ways and experiences to draw from where other people, well, you might not relate to other people, but they can find something of their own. And as sure. you're in, in competition or in training for even that matter, is this something that is always present with you or is there, you're constantly reminding yourself about the, the, the people who inspire you or, or the struggles mm-hmm. of the past or, or are you reminding yourself all the time? Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think part of it is, is me reminding myself all the time. Um, you know, it really just pops into my head automatically now when I'm really hurting and really struggling. So sometimes it pops in during really tough workouts, like really tough hill workouts, you know, a lot of elevation or, you know, when I'm, you know, when I'm on like the, the final lap of like a 3,200 meter, like all out effort or something. Um, you know, that's when it pops in my head, like, Hey, you've got this, like you're stronger than you feel right now. And, uh, you know, you've been able to overcome a lot of other things. And, and it's hard to, it's hard to compare, Hey, a race and some of these things that seem so insignificant, right. Compared to the real challenges that we face in life, right. The really, the really bad stuff that we've been through and been able to overcome. And, um, uh, but, but just for that reason, right. It makes it, you know, it makes you all the more capable of overcoming what you're doing in that moment. Uh, but yeah, I tap into it when I'm training hard. Um, but I always tap into it when I'm racing. Um, but for me, it's never an anger thing. I know some people are motivated by anger by like, you know, like considering their competition, like their enemy and and things like that for me personally, and that may work for other people and that's fine. Absolutely. No judgment there. But for me personally, it's, um, you know, it's my own personal struggle, my personal endeavor, my personal, um, you know, envelope that I'm trying to push. And, uh, and that's just what's always worked for me. So staying positive, understanding, you know, you're capable, like, and the mantra, you, you talked about the mantra that you may have. Um, so I tap into those things, but then the mantra is like, you're strong, you're prepared, you're the best, like those types yeah, of things. It sounds things. really arrogant and sounds really like self-serving, but um, you kind of have to have that in a race in order to uh, to give it your absolute all and, and to, you know, to, to have your best performances and continue to improve, right? You have to convince yourself that you're better than, um, than you have been in the past. And it kind of goes that way. If you're not, if you're thinking to, to perform well, you have to think you're going to do well. Like if you're not thinking you're going to do well, like you're probably not going to, it's going to be a tough time. Right. So like having right. those mantras and just, or just building yourself up, pumping yourself up, like that's the yeah. first place you need, you need to start. Yeah. And every time, like all of us feel that wall coming, like we know when the wall's coming, we know when we're going to shut down or, or be ready to shut down. That's when that mantra kicks in mm-hmm. and like, nope, like not today. Like I'm going to get past the finish line. Like I don't, I only have so much further to go. I got to get, you know, just to the next obstacle, next obstacle, next obstacle. Some people think about it that way, but like really, you know, that's when you tap into that positivity, the wall dissipates and you continue to go. Now the wall may come again and you may need to, you know, bounce back into that mantra you know, to give yourself, you know, the confidence, but um, you know, but most of the wall itself is mental, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, our bodies are physically capable of doing more than what our brain will typically allow. 
Um, but by doing that, you're going to allow your body to push harder and allow your mind to, you know, to relax and stay positive and, and avoid that wall uh, hitting you. And you got to find out, right? Like you don't know and you got to like prove it to your mind. So you got to go past that signal that it's sending to you mm-hmm. because you are so tired. You're in, you're in, are in a stressful situation. Your brain doesn't know you're running a race. Like that's not a thing right. that we've ever done before. Right. So you got to figure out like where you can push into to like also let your mind wrap itself around like the discomfort that you actually can, can hold on to. And that's, what's tough though, because that signal comes and it's convincing because it's like your body it your is. Brain is like, <laughs> we should probably chill out. This doesn't seem safe. And your body's probably, right. that's a great idea. Let's chill out. But right. like, you have to be ready. Cause you only have like a, a real split second to make that choice to, to, to jump forward and, or to right. just to stay positive in that moment. And it does, does this, mindset and like because this is very endurance specific right when things get it is get like really bad and like you need to just kind of keep going do you have things that that are there like common threads in your mindset when it comes to taking on new endeavors um something like Mm -hmm. warrior or something that started from boomerang that that does kind of connect everything in terms of your your high level of performance yeah, I think what connects what connects all the pieces together is like my my need or my uh, my inherent yeah I have this this draw to motivate and inspire you know people who have been in situations that I was in when I was young mm. um, who you know I, I get to do motivational speaking a lot you know I talk to you know different school groups I've done a lot of different conferences uh, sports festivals you know. Um, church groups, whatever. Um, and, uh, you know, I have to set for me personally, it's setting the example, you know, for the young people who I'm speaking to that I'm interacting with on a day-to-day basis, um, to, you know, I owe it to them to figure out, you know, to, to live my mantra, right. To push my limits, to try new things, because that's what I'm encouraging them to do as well. And, uh, and so I'm always inspired by, um, you know, uh, by the people who, you know, even here in Cleveland, I live in Cleveland and we have uh, a really, you know, there's a lot of people living in really tough kind of conditions, right. Who don't see a way out of where they currently exist, right. They don't see a brighter future for themselves other than, you know, what they see in, in their own community. And so in a lot of the work I do through mentorship and, and tutoring and things with the school district, um, you know, I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go do, I'm going to go try something new. I'm going to go challenge myself. I'm going to, um, you know, sign up for this. You know, I've got it like a new game show, right. That, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to, uh, to go film soon. No and, um, and the idea is like, I do it because I don't know if I'm capable, right. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to try if I don't try for it, right. If I don't go for it, then I'll never know that answer, but I'll know that, I haven't reached my, my full potential, right. In that case. And so when it comes to races, right, getting involved in OCR was all about, Hey, you know, this seems like something I could enjoy. It's a really great way to kind of challenge myself and to switch things up. Uh, I think we can get very stagnant in our lives by doing the same thing over and over and over again. I think growth and development comes from putting yourself in uncomfortable situations and trying new things and being prepared to fail right? Potentially, right? We all like to try things. We all like to do things that we're really good at, but we know that we're really good at them. And so that's the only thing that we end up doing to try something new. 
um, that you most likely will fail at the first couple of times that you do it uh, is really uncomfortable, right? Especially when you're used to being successful in your given field and what you do already. Mm-hmm. Um, but the growth, the development, your personal development, the you learn something new about yourself and you become a more whole person when you're willing to take on that risk and, um, you know, and try something that you might fail at. And so I encourage everybody to try some, you know, try a new race, try a new distance, um, you know, try throwing boomerangs, whatever it may be, just to learn something new about yourself. Yeah. Just learn something new about yourself and to set the example for your kids, for nieces, nephews, for young people who, um, right now just see experts doing everything on YouTube and they think they should automatically be the best, right? right. At whatever it is that they're doing. They don't realize the work and the effort that goes into becoming the best or even, you know, kind of an elite level of any sport or any, any hobby, right? Anything, right? Art, uh, music, um, you know, athletics, you know, academics, whatever it is, but they need to have that lesson. And it sounds like you are doing that, like that you want to be that living example that shows that you branch out of your comfort zone, see what else you can do, push yourself to find that that potential. And is that something that you have like systemized where it's, do you get to a point you reflect on where you are? It's like, okay, am I feeling stagnant here? Am I, am I consistently pushing mm-hmm. myself? Am I still living that life that I, I want to in terms of being an, an inspiration or an example or like, how does that process work? Or do you just know, or are you just always looking for something? Yeah. Yeah. I think I've, I've always been pretty introspective, right? I've always looked at myself and said, am I, you know, am I right now the person that I have always wanted to be right to some extent? Um, and that's, that's not only athletically and all these different things I'm doing, but also personally, am I the character of the person that I've like aspired to be to some extent? And, um, and anytime, you know, anytime I've asked myself that question, the answer has always been no, mm. right? I've never, you know, and not that I'm like, I'm very proud of like what I've done up until this point and the, the person that I am, but there's always something, you know, and I think everybody has this feeling, right? Everybody feels like they're not quite where they want to be or they're not quite, um, you know, uh, they have, they want to be more, Mm -hmm. right. They want to aspire to more. They want to constantly be improving. And I think that's a really healthy thing to do as long as you realize what you've been successful at in the past, right. That you, you have accomplished things, you have done, you know, cool things. And there is always room for improvement. There's always something new to do, um, that will teach you something new about yourself. You can always have more of an impact on other people, um, and, you know, and for me, that's, you know, that introspective introspection is really, really important. If you're not doing that, then I can't see how you're going to improve in, in what it is you're doing, except for marginal improvement. If you really want to get to the next level, you have to think about uh, what is it that's going to get me there. Yeah. And being honest with what it is that you want to accomplish out of that. And, and I like what you said on the one thing about also like making sure you do take into considerations the things that you've previously accomplished because there's a there is a line where it's like I need about feeling like you could potentially feel bad about yourself, right? Like you're looking at it, it's like, oh, I'm not giving it sure. everything that I can possibly give. Like I might just I must just be a loser in this. You know, and that could be something that <laughs> constantly working with now. It's like take what you have accomplished, have that right. activity and, and then continue to kind of push that thing forward. And compare it to who you were yesterday. Don't compare it to like the absolute top level, top tier athletes, because I mean, there's so many other factors playing a role in all this. There's genetic factors, right. That determine, you know, 
uh, if we're talking, if we're just, if we're just talking about sports and OCR and everything else in general, like your comparison should always be to yourself and who you were last year, who you were yesterday. Right. And, and did you put in the full effort that you feel you know, proud of that is going to make you better. Right. And, um, and, and how does that translate? Not, Hey, am I able to beat Ryan Atkins in a race or, or yeah, I'm not Logan or I'm not Ryan or I'm not, you know, any of the Ryans or, or anybody else. Right. Um, yet. And, um, you know, like keep everything in perspective. Like everybody's out there working just as hard as the top athletes, like in these races, you can be working just as hard. It may not necessarily be at the front of the pack. And that's, okay um but remember why you're doing it right remember what what inspires you what motivates you like what example you're trying to set and what it's going to do for you personally i think that's that's a really important perspective to keep in in mind and this is something like i feel like social media gets blamed for pretty much everything now and i like sure. and rightfully so on a lot of occasions but like the comparison to other people and taking it outside of like what mm. why we're really supposed to why we're really here why we're pushing ourselves that's, I think, something that is a, a really harmful like, piece of our lives right now. So people, everybody just sees how, how well everyone else is doing, and that's literally <laughs> drawing to our phones and just like scrolling through it and just man, it's like, oh man, I'm not that person. I should be this person. And taking what other people's workouts are like, even like Strava and things. It's just right, people right. Taking them and comparing it to what other people have done, and and not being true, not like really knowing what their number one goal is and why they want to to be after. Right. Right. I mean, people are seeing, you know, they may see a lot of the stuff that I've been able to do right in the past. And like, hey, I've been on some a couple of TV shows and I've done you know these races, da, da, da. Um, but at the same time, like I don't have kids yet. Right. Mm -hmm. And at some point that's going to be my main focus right, right. in the future. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have kids like all of those other things matter just as much. Right. As, as some of these other cool things. I have the opportunity to try these new things and to do this stuff. But you know, I mean, everybody has their career, right, that they care about, and they have their community work and their service work that they may be doing, or, you know, your family, like, think about, like, the fact that you may be doing things different than what those other people are doing, they may be able to dedicate more of their time to training or whatever it may be, you don't have to be that, right, right, you have to care about the things you care about and do them as well as as humanly possible. And you should be proud of, of what you're doing. And just knowing where your priorities are, right? Like not having right. to be all, it's like, oh, I want to be the best at OCR, but I want to be the best dad. I want to be the best. It's like, yes. ah, let's figure out where these, these fall right lines to make, yeah, sure. make it feel a little bit easier. Sure. Um, so I'm curious as to, since you already made such a big jump, what, what, and you continue to make this type of progress and right. you know, it seems like, you know, you do reflect you and you said you're introspective. So you have goals and you know, you're competitive. You want to do better. What are you going to need mm -hmm. to do to take these results even further to the next level? Yeah. So uh, it kind of goes back to what we were just talking about. I may need to focus a little bit more and, uh, and really focus more specifically on OCR, right. As, as kind of a main, and it's the main thing. And maybe boomerangs and OCR as kind of my main, my main two things, right. I do a lot of other, you know, I do the Boston marathon every year. I do Ninja Warrior. I may do like TV show or whatever, but, um, if I'm able to really focus and dedicate, you know, more of my time specifically to, to this, I think it will be able to up my game. Uh, if that's a priority that I decide to make. And, and I think I've, you know, I'm committed to, um, you know, being the best that I could possibly be in OCR. I want to see what that limit is. I want to see what that envelope is. I want to, I want to continue to push it. And, um, 
And so, you know, and so that's going to be really my, my main focus. I, I do have a job like everybody else. I have a day job. Um, so that, uh, that draws away, you know, quite a bit of my time. Um, but I am dedicated to making this like a major part of my life, dedicating it specifically training more deliberately, uh, and doing, you know, and I've done this the past year, but, you know, even more going into 2021. Now that most races are, are slowed down for this year, but putting in the preparation to decide exactly what workouts I'm going to do, what mileage I'm going to put in each week, not just winging it. Um, and, and focusing on, on all aspects of my life, nutrition, um, you know, the, the working out, the recovery is also really important. That's something where I really need to focus. Um, you know, introspectively, I know that recovery is probably something that I need to take more seriously. Um, and, you know, being dedicated to getting better night's sleep and, you know, um, uh, you know, and maybe not, not doubling up so often. Cause I know that's more of a detriment than it is a benefit. Right. When you do a lot of things, you know, and is that, is that, <laughs> yeah. Is there going to be a time where you think you're going to have to pull back from the other things in order for OC? Or are you just going to try to see if you can st- keep leveled up on 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 both aspects? Like, do you think about that? Yeah, yeah. I think I think to some extent I can continue to do everything, but to be the best, you know, to be really, you know, kind of the top. You know, I I finished fourth at the past two North American Championships, and it would be great to just be on the podium, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, you know, and, and I think just to get there, it would just require, you know, it would require just a minimal amount of more focus and training specifically on OCR. And that is going to require me to take away and to reprioritize, um, you know, some of the stuff that I'm doing, uh, you know, on the side. And so, and that's okay. Like, that's totally, that's totally fine. I don't think that I need to shut down everything else. Right. Specifically, I think a lot of those things give me some type of fulfillment mm-hmm. and they make me enjoy, you know, what I'm doing in OCR even more. Um, but I think that little bit more effort, right, that little bit more uh, preparation is going to exponentially raise my level of competition. And, and I know that's the case because I see other athletes, right, be able to to do it. Um, so, you know, so that's kind of my plan going into 2021. Uh, it's going to be more of an OCR focus, less of, you know, the boomerang stuff. It's not going to be a World Cup year. I think they're going to end up pushing off. The, I was supposed to be in France today for the World Championships. Oh, man. For, for <laughs> so I think it's going to be pushed off two years to Indonesia. Um, and so uh, I'll have next year to really dedicate, you know, all of my effort toward, you know, OCR while still, you know, keeping up with boomerangs, doing the national championships, doing competitions. Um, but it's not going to require me to, you know, it's not going to require all of my attention. And I'm really looking forward to that because that's going to allow me to, uh, um, you know, to see what, you know, what my absolute limit is in the sport. Yeah. At least you can find out. And it seems like a good year for it, right. Just to be able to be like, all right, well, things kind of working out in my favor here. Let's just put a little bit more time and see how it, see where I end up. Like yeah, you, exactly. I'm looking forward to it. I definitely am. And hopefully everybody else is able to find that balance right between work, training, family. Um, you know, I, I think that's really important and, and also time for yourself, right? That, you know, time to recharge your batteries mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, make sure your mental health is in check right. um, because uh, all of that, all of the stress of all these different things can really you know take a big toll. Um, but all of these things should be complementing each other. Right. So um, your work 
right, should be, you know, kind of the vehicle that allows you to do all of these different races and obstacle course stuff and help you support your family. Likewise, the stuff that you're doing with OCR, you know, training and, uh, you know, the, the personal benefits that you're getting from that, whether it be mental or physical, should be translating to making you a more successful, motivated, uh, you know, employee in, in, the, yeah. in the work that you're doing. Um, and it should just keep you keep you motivated. And, and uh, so hopefully, you know, everybody's able to, you know, find that that right combination. And uh, and I've certainly been able to do that. Yeah. And I think that's what it goes back to when you're how you mentioned before, always looking for that next thing that's going to push you to find those limits. Right. And like if you're there exactly. and, you're, and you're feeling fulfilled and you also mentioned that about like if you gave up boomerang for a year, you probably perform, you'd probably train worse for OCR because you'd be like bummed about it, you know? Sure. Right. So, right. So, I'm not going to completely give it up. I, I can't, right. Can't. It's just like that, that competitive, like my competitive nature, I think, you know, the more I compete, the better I do. And so having those consistent competitions almost every weekend, I mean, last year I might've spent, you know, three or four weekends actually in Ohio. Otherwise I was doing a YouTube video or I was doing a boomerang competition or I was doing a race, you know, or an OCR. It's just, yeah, it's crazy. Really cool, man. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing, seeing the progress. Um, yeah, I don't want to keep you all day. So we'll wrap some things up here. So where can, um, where can people find you as far as socials, the YouTube channel or what's yeah. the best way to. Yeah. So yeah, check me out. Um, you guys can find me on Instagram at logan.broadbent. That's broad and bent put together. It's pretty simple. Uh, logan.broadbent. That's an easy way to do it. Uh, you can find me on YouTube. It's youtube.com backslash Logan Broadbent. Uh, I've got some stuff that that's coming out soon. I haven't updated it in a while, but you'll, you'll see some fun stuff. And then, um, uh, yeah, if you need notes, if you want uh, more information, um, you know, feel free to send me a, a direct message. I'm happy to give some training advice uh, to anybody just getting into OCR. If you've been in OCR for a while and you want to learn, um, you know, something new, uh, hopefully I'll have something to share. I may even pick your brain and, and get your thoughts. Um, but yeah, Logan Broadbent on Instagram, Logan Broadbent at uh, on Facebook, and then uh, YouTube. It's YouTube.com backslash Logan Broadbent, and then pretty soon you'll be able to go to LoganBroadbent.com. And, uh, and buy some more boomerangs once I get that up and running again. Sweet. Yeah, I'll, I'll link to everything on the show notes, but looking forward to seeing all those and um, following things along because the the videos are cool, man. They really are, and like gives people a really good idea <laughs> of what is, in, is involved in that sport and how I, the athleticism that is needed. So yeah, cool. and I would love to share more about you know obstacle course racing, you know, through that channel too. Yeah. That might be kind of cool. So um, yeah, I'm going to continue to do the work that I'm doing in the community. I'm. Um, you know, I chair the board for the United Way of Greater Cleveland, and I do, uh, you know, a lot of work there. And so I'm going to continue to bring the sport of OCR right to to young kids, and and of course boomerangs as well, right to young kids, <laughs> yeah. you know, here in the community. So hopefully, you know, this sport continues to grow and thrive. And uh, um, yeah, I just I appreciate everybody for inviting me to the sport a few years ago and just making me part of your family. It's been absolutely incredible. You got to you got to merge them somehow. We need a we need a an Ohio based. OCR event that does have a boomerang element. This should be oh, we have event. to. Yeah, we've got to do it. I'll, I'll teach everybody how to throw. You guys will all be pros in yeah. no time. What does that and, look uh, like, you think, in, in, in practice? Do you think there is, <laughs> like, do you run like at, at a mile and then you have to throw and catch? Or, or are you running with the boomerang the whole time? <laughs> I think you just have to have boomerangs there, just like the spear throw or something else. I think you have to have boomerangs there. You got to pick up a boomerang. You got to throw it. You got to catch it with your feet. You got to do a backflip catch, something. No, maybe not that. Maybe just throwing. Maybe it would take time off. If you do a backflip catch, you get like two minutes off your time. 
that would be great. I'm, I'm down for that. I'm down for that. Of course. Yeah. I, I have a feeling you'd have to do something to make it way tough, like much tougher for me. So I'd have you to just like catch murder it. everybody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, well, cool. Logan won Logan's race that he put on. Yeah. No <laughs> right. Right. It's like, yeah. The boomerang classic. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I'll keep talking to Spartan about it. See if they'll uh, incorporate it somehow. Yeah, and hopefully up. you guys will, uh, you know, brush up on your boomerang skills and, and be ready for that. We'll next be time. out there. Yeah. Um, well, cool, man. Well, I'm going to press stop. We'll stay on that, that first screen, but that's really it for this. Um, so I appreciate you popping on, dude. I really was. That was awesome. And we will talk to you soon. Yeah. Thanks for having me. All right. See you guys. Yeah.